Not my favorite Laura Branigan song. Okay. I know, you look shocked. Who's the St. Louis Blues fan around here that had that in the system, by the way? Uh, well, so... Uh, <laughs> so when when Mason left, Mason both left, it was just John and I. I wanted to give all of our recurring guests, like guest hosts or okay. for interviews and stuff, yeah. I wanted to give them their own music. Right. D.Y. has never decided on one. Okay. Kellis Robinette, when he came on regularly, which he doesn't really anymore, but that's on me mostly, um, he would use the BoJack Horseman theme. Sure. When Mason would come on, he would come on talk Royals mostly mm-hmm. and also play some music versus movies. That was his. Okay. That's what All he right. chose. <laughs> now, my favorite Laura Brannigan song. Oh. Deep cut. It's been a while. Is it? Just because I haven't heard it in so long, man. Let me look up her discography. I mean, it hit the charts. I'm just saying it's a deep cut because it ha- I, you don't hear this song anymore. No, you don't. Say, do you know this one? I do. I recognize this one. Hmm. It went to number four. Mm-hmm. Gloria went to number two. So there you go. You could use this as a number two song today. <laughs> Put that down on your list. Yep. But this is called Self Control. I think you'll recognize the uh, the chorus, of course. By the way, did you enjoy the number two song of the day the other day? I did. I thought it was going to kick in there. Now, I know this isn't as popular as Gloria. What a voice. Though. But my favorite song from bands or artists is, are always different from everybody else. Sure. You like bucking the trend. Yeah, I mean, like Journey. Don't Stop Believing is not my favorite. Journey Overplayed. Song. Oh, big time. You want to guess what it is? <sighs> no. Separate Ways. I think Separate Ways is their best song. Maybe the best written song. Is DG here? <laughs> that's what he'd be doing right now. All right. Oh, boy. I'm hyped up. I need a little Laura Brannigan <laughs> double shot to get us going for this final hour of the show for the week. Um, so we usually do this Friday during the summer, at least it's now our thing, where uh, Sam Honeybuns will give us a little movie preview. We ran out of time in the first hour, so let's get it here in the second hour. Movie preview. Sam Honeybuns, take it away. Nope, Laura, hey, quit it. Hit the brakes. We only paid you for a song and a half. All right, I think we're ready now. Here we go. Sam Honeybuns, let's go. I'm Sam Honey, taking a look at this week's coming attractions. 
We're back to a one movie weekend once again with Jurassic World Dominion. The sixth Jurassic Park movie and the third in the world trilogy, dinosaurs now live alongside humans all over the world. Two generations of the franchise meet up for what is supposed to be the finale of this trilogy of new films. Jurassic World Dominion is rated PG-13 and has a runtime of 2 hours and 27 minutes. It also has a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, the lowest of the franchise. And that will once again wrap up this week's coming attractions. Make sure to listen in on Monday for the Micro Movie Minute of Jurassic World Dominion with me, Sam Honey. So they brought back, uh, like, Dr. Grant, Dr. Malcolm... Uh, Ellie, um, they brought back somebody else, but they brought back some of the cast members from the first movie. And I wish they wouldn't have, because now <laughs> they've been roped into a bad trilogy. Uh-huh. The Chris Pratt, Oof. and it's nothing really against, I like Chris Pratt, but I like him in a comedic role. A serious role like this, I just don't think... He cuts the mustard. If you know what I mean. I do. I get it. I just I don't think it's Maybe I'm just too brainwashed with what he did with Parks and Rec. He did an amazing job with Parks and Rec. But he's he's too funny to have serious roles in my opinion. He's not like a Robin Williams to me who where Robin could could swing he, it. He could yes. My god. You want to talk about one of the funniest people to ever grace this earth that could tone it down and really captivate you with a serious role. Robin Williams was the best. And one of the most unbelievable scenes I think I've ever seen in a movie. Goodwill hunting? No. According to Garp. Okay. Where he crashes his car into his soon-to-be ex-wife's car. Have you seen the movie? What movie? The World According to Garp. No, I have not seen that. Okay. Uh, Let's just say that uh, his soon-to-be ex-wife is in the front seat of the other vehicle with her uh, bow that she's seeing behind his back when he crashes the car in to the back of that other car. Speaking of uh, Robin Williams. And it becomes a medical matter. No, I have not seen that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it's very well done. Well, I watched a movie last night for the first time from the 90s that has Robin Williams, and he's not a lead character. And have you ever seen the movie Nine Lives? No, I have not. Julianne Moore, Hugh Grant okay. are both in it, along with uh, <laughs> Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold's oh, also in it, and he's pretty good. He's pretty funny in that one. I mean, it's not like a blockbuster hit or anything. It was all right. But Robin Williams in his short scenes where he plays a he's a, a doctor, and he plays a Russian doctor, and of course he's not Russian, right? but he does the accent. It's, oh, he's, he's good. Robin Williams was just, it's too bad he's no longer with us because, man, was he so good. And Nine Lives, it was okay. But he was certainly a highlight of that. Jeff Goldblum was also in that. The young, buff Jeff Goldblum <laughs> was in that movie. All right. Um, was there anything else I was going to do before I went to Adrian Martinez? Am I forgetting anything? No, I don't think so. Okay. I hear people like that when you hear the paper shuffling in the background. 
Sounds like I'm getting ready for a big segment. Right? Nah, I don't know if it's big or anything, but um, Adrian Martinez, K-State quarterback for one season who transferred from Nebraska. Back in the news, he spoke with Big 12 Radio on Sirius XM, and he has um, once again stirred up his former fans. Those who are at Nebraska, which you, you want to talk about the differences between fan bases and big-time player departures. I think there's been a little bit of a difference between Adrian Martinez coming from Nebraska to K-State and um, Nigel Pack going from K-State to Miami, uh, especially I mean, for Nebraska fans, when you see your quarterback go to a, a former rival, yeah, that's got to be tough. Now, Nigel Pack, his situation also was, in a way, you can compare it to Adrian Martinez because they both want to win. But no doubt about it, I would say some NIL played mm-hmm. a big factor into Nigel Pack, mm-hmm. definitely more so than Adrian Martinez. But he had this to say about maybe some criticism he, that he did face from Nebraska at one time. And their narratives I'm, I'm fighting against. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I haven't been to a bowl game and I haven't had a winning season, you know. Um, now, football is a team sport, but I play quarterback. And, and oftentimes, you know, you, you get associated with those kind of things. And, you know, I want to win. I, I want to go play in a bowl game and I want to win a bowl game. So uh, that was another reason why I came here. You know, I, I feel like we have a great opportunity to win. And that's something um, if I do and I play the right way, I, I know we're going to have an opportunity to do. Part of that's not turning over the ball as much. Part of that um, is uh, being accurate all the time, making the right decisions. And that comes with playing quarterback, yes. But, um, you know, I feel confident in this system and, and with the progressions I've made that I'll be able to take that next step. So I know that clip was 46 seconds. But there was one part of that I wanted to talk about specifically and uh, it, it was already brought up one time, but now it's maybe expanded a little bit more. He wants to win. He wants to play in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. He spent four years at Nebraska. And who else has been at Nebraska for those four years? Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. They have the same combined record. Well, maybe not the same, but you'll get the idea when I say 15 and 29. That's Scott Frost's record at Nebraska. And um, I, I know, so Adrian Martinez, his passing numbers, 8,500 in his career, 45 touchdowns, and he's also ran for 35 scores. But the, I, I've seen the criticism on Twitter the last couple of days when this was first brought up a couple of days ago, and I know we're getting to it now, but I think it's definitely need to get to it because it's, it's funny to see this interaction these days. Mm-hmm. But... There's no doubt, like, Adrian Martinez did receive criticism while he was at Nebraska because of his turnovers. And I think K-State fans, in a way, kind of ignore those. Right. Um, and, and in an interesting twist, they'll ignore those, but they'll point up Will Howard's. Well, and I, I say ignore. I mean, oh, I, I, I think what it is. Gloss over. Gloss over. Thank you. Gloss, so, but it's like I know K State fans know about them, but I think in another way, it's also thought about like in this way: he's no longer at Nebraska, where the offensive line was god awful. Now I'm not saying the offensive line was responsible for all of those turnovers. I think it's also fair to mention that not only did has Adrian Martinez had an issue with interceptions, fumbles as well. In his four years at Nebraska, he fumbled 34 times. 
Mm-hmm. That is an extremely high number. I saw somebody point out that that's like an NCAA record. I don't know anything about that. I couldn't find that record, so I can't say that's true or not. But he lost 18 of them. Those really high numbers. He has, he, he has had some troubles with fumbles and interceptions. I think there is some optimism from K-State fans because we've seen the success of Skylar Thompson, and we know that, of course, Coach Kleiman is – He's put three quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, kind of a whisper at this point with quarterbacks. I have put it this way before. I think the success on this season definitely lingers on and hangs on if Adrian Martinez is able to clean up those turnovers. That could be a make or break. I think we feel pretty confident about the defense at least when it comes to the starters. Mm-hmm. Depth-wise, it's questionable. We're not. We're just not sure. But Deuce Vaughn is back. Heck, Cooper Beebe, I saw from a media outlet that he's like the second-best offensive tackle grade-wise returning this season in college football. That's pretty optimistic, mm-hmm. right? That's pretty fun yep. to see those kind of things, to see a player like that where there's already a bunch of offensive linemen out there. He's getting graded out so well. Amongst the best in the country? That's incredible. Heck, even behind Deuce Vaughn, I feel very comfortable about Anthony Frias and mm-hmm. what he can do. But the question is, is Andrew Martinez going to be the leader we hope he is? Nebraska fans are going to argue with you on Twitter, K-State fans, about the turnovers and about how he wasn't always so great. You could definitely argue, and I, I will say it, that Adrian Martinez was a big reason, a huge reason, why Nebraska had the chance to win so many games last year. Mm-hmm. But Nebraska fans will argue that he was also the reason that they didn't win some of those games because of maybe some late turnovers. So it's an argument where both sides have some ammunition. It's the old fight of trying to do too much, I wonder about in this case. How many of those mistakes late in games were because that pressure was on and trying to do too much? We know that the kid has a, has a heart and a desire to play the game that you want to see out of your quarterback. The guy played through a freaking broken jaw that nobody knew about last year for crying out loud. Nebraska fans, you if, if you're a fan of Nebraska, there's no way you can take any pride or anything positive, and it's got to anger you, that your quarterback went from Nebraska to K-State to win. K-State is the better option to win football games than Nebraska. Boy, that hiring the Golden Boy did not work out well, did that it? That has got to be an absolute five-knuckle uppercut into the groin when you hear something like that. Your former quarterback left Lincoln to go to Manhattan because he wants to win. And you know what, Nebraska? He's definitely going to win more than he did in Lincoln. With that being said... I did see also uh, Vegas in their over-under for Nebraska this year. I think people will get a, a kick out of it. That's coming up next here on The Game on KMAN.
Man, Vegas just loves to offend us when they release their over-unders when it comes to total wins for your team every year. K-State's is always too low, and it seems like Texas is always too high, which Texas this year has been placed at 8.5. Now, honestly, I know most around here don't feel too great about Texas, especially after a five-win season. They do have B. John Robinson. Quinn Ewers, I think that's how you say his name. Mm-hmm. He's transferring in from Oklahoma State. I mean, there's uh, even some people are picking Texas to win the Big 12. I know it's the overhype thing again, but maybe, you know, maybe they might be not so overhyped this year. They do have some pretty solid offensive talent. It's defensively, they are a bit questionable. We'll see how that works out. But this is not about Texas. This is about Nebraska because there were two arguments between the fan bases this week. One was about Adrian Martinez. The other one was about, you know, Nebraska has kind of fallen into that Texas role. They're always going to be high on their teams. You know, I'm sure K-State fans are in that same boat as well. But where Texas, or I should say Nebraska, where they really get their optimism is just because of their past success. Vegas has placed Nebraska's win over under this year at seven and a half. Nebraska fans, we need to chill out a little bit. Seven and a half is pretty high. It seems far fetched. Mm-hmm. It feels like pretty tough to get there. Your schedule, if you take away Oklahoma, the first half is winnable. The second half, not so much. Now, I'm not going to go over the full schedule. But remember, K-State is at 6.5, and, and they're coming off a 8-win season, of course. Skylar Thompson does leave, but a ton of returners. They will replace a couple of guys on the offensive line, yes. But, man, that defense, other than in the secondary, has a lot coming back. Yes, we know the story. But meanwhile for Nebraska... The quarterback, of course, transfers to K-State, but they picked up Casey Thompson from Texas. It threw for 2,100 yards, 24 touchdowns. You know, he certainly had a battle for that starting spot with Hudson Card. But at the end of the day, Casey Thompson did earn the job. Now, he did throw for nine interceptions, but 24 touchdowns, which was first in the Big 12. But his yardage was really down, and you know... Nebraska had a lot less when it came to options to throw the football, heck, to even run the football. It was almost better for Adrian Martinez to just hold on to the football and run for yardage. He has much less around he had much less around him in Nebraska than he's going to at K-State by a long ways, in my opinion. But meanwhile, Texas, Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy. A lot of town offensively. Yeah, Casey Thompson just, I thought 2,100 yards was a low number. But if you just look at those numbers, yeah, you can make that assumption, but you can't forget about the thumb injury he had. Okay, I understand that. But I felt like that was a little bit of an excuse and what it, how serious it really was. Mm-hmm. You know, Nebraska only had their, you know, Casey Thompson, I'm getting everybody mixed up. Adrian Martinez was the best rushing option. They had Ramir Johnson, who ran for about 400 yards. 
what I'm getting at here is I feel like, and I think it's true, that Nebraska is downgrading at quarterback. Adrian Martinez is a better quarterback, in my opinion, than Casey Thompson. Now, I know Nebraska has optimism at wide receiver, and that's good for them. They did some work in the transfer portal. Nebraska's offensive line, I've said it before and I'll say it again, is historically bad. They were last year, and their best linemen that they had are gone. So they keep their bad offensive linemen, their good ones leave, and now they got to replace the good ones with guys they've already had. That's not good. That's not good for Casey Thompson, who is definitely not mobile mm-hmm. like Adrian Martinez. Nebraska's offensive line last year, it, it's pro football focus <laughs> had them as the worst power five offensive line in the country. They were in the bottom 20 in FBS and FCS combined. Wow. That's how bad the Nebraska offensive line was last year, according to Pro Football Focus. How has that happened at Nebraska? Meanwhile, when it comes to the defense, they were worse in the Big 12 or in the Big 10 in sacks. They couldn't stop anybody on third down, which, okay, let's be honest, K-State also had their struggles on stopping guys on third down. Mm-hmm. That's something maybe they share. But what they're banking on is that experience coming back defensively. Scott Frost has won 15 games in four seasons at Nebraska. So they're relying on experience for that so-so defense that it definitely has its struggles. They're relying on experience with the offensive line that is historically bad. They're downgrading at quarterback. They don't really have any reliable, sure thing options at running back. And they have their fingers crossed that the transfer portal did them good at wide receiver. Seven and a half for the win total over under for Nebraska, guys. Sorry, Cornhusker fans, but it's not going to happen. You'd be lucky to make a bowl game. Do you have anything to add? No. I mean, it still floors me that Nebraska has allowed their program to atrophy so badly. Uh, It's it's unreal how badly they have fallen off and show little signs of recovering anytime soon. I mentioned Adrian Martinez wants to come here to win and, and play in a bowl game. He's not the first Cornhusker to transfer in. It's, he's actually the second because you have also Will Honus, who's going to play linebacker for K-State, might start. I would imagine he's going to start. And, of course, who is uh, Adrian Martinez going to be throwing to a couple of times? Cade mm-hmm. Warner, a former Husker that didn't really get to do much, and now he's got a little bit of a better role with K-State. And, hey. He got to win a bowl game last mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a timeout. When we come back, let's get to a number one song of the day, and that's next. When the world wasn't upside down, 
I could take all the time I had. I know. I know. An amazing song, isn't it? From 2003, This Is The Night by Clay Aiken. Oh, boy. Two weeks at number one. Is a kiss you can never get back. I know. American singer, television personality, actor, also a Democratic political candidate, an activist from Raleigh, North Carolina. He finished second on the second season of American Idol in 2003. The reason I picked this song for today is because tomorrow is the 20th anniversary of the premiere of American Idol. Oh, boy. Then why didn't you choose an American Idol winner? From like the first or second season. (laughs) He chose the second placer. Oh, because first of all, they have to go number one. Yeah. Has has Yelly Kelly had a number one? Yeah, she has, but we've already done them. Okay. So there hasn't been very many American Idol artists go number one. Still waiting on Chris Daughtry to get there. I love the fact that you recognize as soon as I said it who Yelly Kelly was. Oh, sure. (laughs) He also finished second place in the fifth season of The Celebrity Apprentice. First place went to Arsenio Hall. But Clay Aiken has sold five million albums. He is the fourth highest selling American Idol alum. Number three is Chris Daughtry. Number two, Kelly Clarkson. And number one is Carrie Underwood. And he did run for Congress twice, didn't win either time, but um, six studio albums, three top 40 hits, and is only number one. So, the story behind this. It was May 20th of 2003, and Clay Aiken and Ruben Studdard were the last two contestants left, and each performed three songs. Aiken sang this one along with two classics from the 60s, Here, There, and Everywhere by the Beatles and Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel. Mm. This Is The Night was a new song. One of the people that co-wrote this, Aldo Nova. But after the song, it didn't go over well with the judges. Randy Jackson said, Whereas I hated that song, and I hope they don't make it your first single, dude. You blew your brains out on that one. You sang your face off. Simon Cowell also thought it was underwhelming. Thought American Idol then turned into a musical. As a result of that, Clay Aiken the next night would lose to Ruben Studdard. And he decided to sing Bridge Over Trouble Water as his send-off song. But he took it personally that Uh this song didn't get over with the judges. So after American Idol, he decided to release a double A side single. Double A. Double A side single. So Bridge Over Troubled Water was one of the songs, and the other song was This Is The Night. When it was released, people went out and bought it. 
but they bought it because they wanted Bridge Over Troubled Water. They didn't care about This Is The Night. But the kicker is, people buying this album, he released the single of the album as This Is The Night. And when it debuted as a single, it went to number one right away. Oh boy. Which, he happened to be the first artist to debut at number one. From American Idol. From American, no. Oh. In general. Oh. Wow. And by the way, when it debuted at number two, because here's the kicker of this whole thing, even more of a kicker. When he released this song on June 3rd of 2003, he released it the exact same day Idol winner Ruben Stutter released his first single called oh. Flying Without Wings. Clay Aiken debuts at number one. Ruben Stutter debuts at number two. Wow. Clay Aiken finally got his win over Ruben Stutter. That is so rude. I, <laughs> I can't believe that. That's so rude. Which technically since this song was on the same single that was released with Bridge Over Troubled Water, this technically became the best-selling single since Elton John's Candle in the Wind 1997. But the fans didn't want this song. They wanted Bridge Over Troubled Water. Well, no one wants the contemporary Christian-sounding song versus Bridge Over Troubled Water. You're right. Wow. There's irony there, by the way, given Clay Aiken's life. Right. It just sounds like a contemporary. I got you. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. (laughs) All right, Sage, are you prepared? Yes. Yeah, this song sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I never watched American Idol other than for like maybe two episodes of the auditions random times it just happened to be on i was like i checked it out now yeah it's not a sh- the singing competition shows they're not for me what's the other the other shows out there well there's x factor the voice the, the voice. voice yeah the there you one. go yeah just those shows i've just never been into like even like america's got talent dancing with the stars dancing with the stars those kind of shows they just haven't been for me all right don't play it again sage let it wrap up there, and we'll just gradually take ourselves to Ask Us Anything. Hosted by Sajay Williams next. All right, Sage, it's all yours. All right, starting off with a movie question. Have you ever been to a movie so bad that you walked out of a theater? I've not. And I have been to bad movies, but I just... I didn't see the point of walking out. Paid my admission. I'll sit through it. Fair. Walked out of a play at intermission. Oh, yeah? What play was it? I don't even remember. <laughs> that's how That's how much you just yeah. don't even want to think about yeah. that at that yeah. point. But not, been, no, not a movie. I've been to like two plays in my life. Never walked out of one of those. I can't. I've never really walked out on anything. You just stick it through to the end. At yeah, that it's point. not like I don't have the guts <laughs> to do it or anything. It just... I don't see the point. Just sit through it. I wanted to. I paid for it. I'm going to stay it. I mean, I don't think I've like walked out on a movie and just like gone home. I will go to the bathroom in the middle of a movie if I don't like it. And but I'll come back. You know what I mean. But other than that, I don't like leave. Leave now. 
have you guys ever um, like went to see one movie and then you jumped into another theater to watch another? <laughs> I haven't done that actually. No. So nope. you do that. Double dip? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, I have not done it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm seeing if you two are the rebels. No. Nope, not me. <laughs> All right. Uh, roller coasters, love them or hate them? Are you Absolutely love them. I used to be scared of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I rode the Mamba in Kansas City. And I was like, if I could do this one, I could probably do any of them. Oh, it, yeah. it took me until I was in college to get the nerve to ride the Orient Express because of that 150-foot climb. I actually, I never rode the Orient Express. There's a couple of pretty sweet roller coasters at Disney World. The thing about Disney World is there's not very many great rides. There's just a couple per park that are oh, worth it. Right. And uh, so, like, that's why Disney World's not really worth it to me. But, like, Worlds of Fun, like, yeah. That, I haven't done Worlds of Fun since I was in eighth grade, though. I went to uh, Six Flags. That one has a few good coasters there. Which Six Flags? Um, oh, maybe it was... It was somewhere down in like Oklahoma or Texas or something like that. But um, Six Flags in Arlington, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty close to Jerry World. Yeah. Yeah, because I used to be the same way. I used to be terrified of coasters, and then I went there, and I was like, "This is great." I don't know why. <laughs> the the boomerang at Worlds of Fun, if it's still there, that that one's pretty sweet. The mm-hmm. one that goes backwards through yes. the loops. Yep. And then next up, if you had to choose between losing an arm or losing a leg, which one would you choose? Leg, I'd rather lose the leg. You want to hop around everywhere? Well, like, it's much easier to, I guess, replace it. Okay. If yeah. you know what I mean. like Prosthetic. You, you can get that one pros- prosthetic that's like a, like, I don't know if a boomerang is the best way to describe it, but you can, like, run on it and stuff. Meanwhile. The blade. When that arm is gone, like, you can't use that hand anymore. Yeah. Don't people still have, they have, like, phantom pains, too, with that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether it's arm or leg yeah. that you have that issue. Yeah, I'd have to go same way. I was thinking initially arm because then I'd want my two legs, but you're right. Prosthetic is easier. Yeah, I mean, with the prosthetic, yeah, you may be looking a little weird when you walk, but it, I, it's I just easier think it's, to mask at that point. Yeah, too. I, I just think it's easier to replace a leg than an arm. Oh, yeah, 100%. And another question. Have you ever been so obsessed with something that the people around you were annoyed with you talking about it so much? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. I've been on the other end of that. Oh, sure. I mean, yes. I mean, of course, the first thing that comes to your mind is politics or something in their religion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is one. Um, I kind of used to be that way. I mean, for crying out loud, I've been in talk radio for 30 plus years. When I became non-religious, I suppose I was that way. A bit annoying, but I was like, you know, don't be that guy. Yeah. Um, Like... (sighs) I never was like with sports. I suppose my fandom for K State, like when I was in high school, if I knew you were a KU fan and I would just crush you if something wrong at all <laughs> happened to KU, a loss or whatever, or K State beat KU in basketball, like when they won in Bramlage that first time, man, I let every KU fan in high school know that they lost that game last night. And they were like, well, great, your winning percentage against us at home is now 4%. Congratulations. I was like, I'll take it. All right. Got to start somewhere. All right. right. Well, what a week it's been. Next week, I'm sure it'll be a little bit weird. We should have Sage all week, almost, but no show on Wednesday. But um, Royals baseball, all weekend long, taking on the Baltimore Orioles, including tonight. For Sajay, Troy, I'm Mitch. We're out. Go Cats. Have a good weekend.